Hi everybody, welcome to a new episode of Two Drunk Fans. Gab, please tell us what you are drinking. I am drinking a Gvestamina. Um, I'm drinking it in honor of our uh, of a German spy I know um, that I hold near and dear in my heart. Uh, actually, it's a bottle that I opened this weekend and I couldn't quite finish. My friends couldn't finish it, I should say. So I'm finishing it off. But it's a it's a Gvestamina from the Columbia Valley. Went really well with my Hawaiian pizza. Um, I normally save it for Thanksgiving, but uh, I was like, pizza night, need a bottle of wine, gonna go with the Gavetstamina. What What are you drinking, buddy? Um, well, I did consume a couple screwdrivers. Ouch, that sounds painful. Yeah, no, it wasn't. It was very smooth. I'm really amused by that whole German spy situation. <laughs> <laughs> I know some people found it tasteless, but you know what? Either she blew her cover... Or it was just like she was just chirping her teammates. So I, I'm choosing to laugh at it. Who who sees that as tasteless? Like that's not a whoever sees it as tasteless is not a person I want to have a drink in a bar with. I mean, I can understand some people being like, yeah, I understand to some extent. People will go back to their national teams and be like, so and so player does so and so, but you know, just don't talk about it. It's it's gauche Wait, or whatever. Wait, so and so player does so and so. So and so player does like their training routine or like they have these tendencies, blah blah blah. <laughs> but I'm like, it's not really like other than reporting on I don't know injuries or something that are being kept from the public. It's not anything you couldn't see in training tape or or games or whatever. So it's nothing that we don't know. It's just amazing that it made the article. It's amazing that. It was interpreted as she was a German spy. Like I love the whole everything around this. I love. Like I'm I'm tearing up right now just remembering like <laughs> just remembering that day. That was a good day. That well, was a good silly season day. I'm just thinking of uh, Anger going in and seeing Paul Riley like keeping something in a safe, and then she sneaks back into his offices later that night, and like a hat and a mustache. <laughs> And just, like, cracks the safe and takes all his coaching materials to copy. Oh, why Why would she want Paul Riley's coaching materials? He's I don't know. He's not coaching any national team anytime soon. Or maybe she goes and sees where the athletic trainer stores all the, like, fitness results and stuff. So she, she sneaks in after hours. <laughs> She's taking photos with, like, her, I don't know, her goalkeeper's gloves or something there's a <laughs> hidden camera i think i think i think i'm stealing that that idea from joe but but she has like a hidden like mission impossible camera and something and she's taking photos of like their running routes or something i don't know like it's just ludicrous because it's not it's nothing is top secret like everything she said we could have told her like i'm no spanish spy Maybe Mexican she, spy. Like, I would have been a Mexican spy. Maybe she has a camera and one and all of her hats, and then they go out in the evenings, and she's like, "So, Christine, tell me all about Canada's plans, yeah? Bitte, tell me more. Tell me, tell me more about this poutine. <laughs> uh, Frau Morgan, <laughs> what is Jill Ellis having you do in the camp? What?" <laughs> How is camp going? Yeah, but German, you know. 
I can't do accents. I, I leave that to you. What I especially loved was, uh, so everybody that I uh, follow on Twitter, we were all just letting the spiral um, as a comedy. Um, and one of my favorite ones was something about how Merritt Paulson was in on it. And I loved it. I loved it. Merritt Paulson is the saboteur? Yeah. Is he Merritt like... Paulson was her, the gateway, like. Wait, but so maybe that's like, he's like in the Americans. He's a long-term foreign spy embedded in American soil to. Well, I mean, that's what I think Sydney LaRue is for the Canadians. <laughs> And then when she's ready to go back, they'll like reactivate her as a Canadian, and it'll, and FIFA will be like, "Yeah, it's okay. She can go back to playing for Canada." Oh my god! But uh, yeah, no, that was that was an amazing, amazing day. We'll link to the article that you can then translate uh, <laughs> to understand what we're laughing about. Yeah, but you probably already saw it. Yeah, because a good twenty people listen to this thing. So. We don't really have a good transition, but I guess we're going to talk about <laughs> the the turf lawsuit next. And if you don't know what the turf lawsuit oh, is, yeah, yeah. what are you Louis doing listening to this podcast? German things. Like, I, I assume everyone who listens to this podcast has a certain <laughs> hey. base level of knowledge, because otherwise you wouldn't have found us. We are, like, hidden in the back of a cabinet in a deep sub-basement, like, and the only way to get there is a broken elevator with a sign on it that says, keep out Ocelot inside. We're actually doing this from a cave <laughs> in an undisclosed location. Yeah, a cave with great Wi-Fi. Uh, can you, in less than 15 seconds, sum up where the thing is currently? Not the history of... But where is it currently as a as a somebody who has studied the law but is not yet a lawyer? The law firm representing the players has delivered like a final notice to FIFA and the CSA basically saying, if you don't negotiate with us after this, we're going to file a lawsuit. So that's where we are. And they published this nice brief and ESPN got a hold of the whole thing. And when was... When was that deadline for uh, FIFA and the CSA to respond? Well, the brief was filed, or the the final notice was sent September 23rd. They said the deadline was Friday, September 26th at noon. And after that, uh, it says, I will assume you prefer to resolve this matter through the courts rather than cooperation. So, deadlines come and gone. We haven't heard about talks. I can only assume they filed today, Monday. Good luck? Yeah, yeah. Um, a lot of people have a path list, uh, which I find intriguing because my my opinion is very layman's. Um, it's not fair, is my opinion. Um, well, but it's fun to hear other people talk about it. And uh, some, some Lester guy, uh, first... Sports Illustrated or ESPN or somebody um, had some really good opinions about it when we listened to that video before we started recording. Um, so Lester Munson, who is a Illinois lawyer, basically called into ESPN as their legal analyst and was like, he thinks he has a lawsuit, has a good chance, based on the brief they wrote, the case law they cited, and the examples of um, dis discrimination that they also cited in the brief. And having read it, I mean, I have no idea how the courts tend to rule, except, you know, the case law cited in the brief. So, you know, I can't 
fucking say. I'm not going to second guess Lester Munson Esquire. But the relevant legal part that I kind of stuck on was um, the, the three requirements for a respondent to prove uh, justification of its conduct. It's item 48 in the brief, and there's a three-pronged test going on here that basically the defendants, FIFA and the CSA, are going to have to um, deal with in order to prevail. So three elements, right? First one, that their goal is rationally connected to the function being performed. So rationally connected just means basically any rational excuse. It's a pretty low bar. So I think they're going to they're gonna win that one. The stadiums had turf before for uh, weather reasons, logistical reasons. Uh, second prong, that the, this policy was adopted in good faith. And good faith can be hard to prove because there's two basic ways I think you can go about proving good faith, at least in a gender discrimination case. One is you need a smoking gun, which is which would be like an email from Sepp Blatter to, I don't know, Victor Montagliani going, who fucking cares about the Women's World Cup? Have them play on turf, bid accepted. Because lol women. Um, that would be hard to find, I think. Unless they foolishly did send emails like that, I wouldn't put it past Sepp Blatter or any other FIFA official to have sent an official communique, or an unofficial communique, basically going, yeah, women... Tits, ass, nice. Who cares? Yeah, so I think that might... If it can, if this makes it to discovery, that's probably where it will come out, if at all. So the other method of proving good faith, if you don't have, like, a smoking gun, is having so much circumstantial evidence that it becomes obvious to the court that there was, in fact, gender discrimination. So if it comes out basically in the behavior and the policies of FIFA and or the CSA to go like, yeah, this um, disproportionately impacted women or this had an inadvertent impact on women that is nevertheless unacceptable, right? Which I think, I think you could argue for that, right? I mean, if you look at the World Cups in Russia and Qatar, those are going to be on grass. I mean, they're asking for grass in Qatar, which is a fucking desert climate. I hear it's fantastic and tropical, and, and there are oasises. Oases? And the band Oasis might be getting her Oasis. If the band Oasis uh, plays at Qatar, what a fuck you. <laughs> what a fuck you. Uh, they get back together. The, the opening of the, the world is the reunion. <laughs> um, and the third and last prong of the test is basically, is it possible to accommodate the claimant, in this case the players filing the suit against FIFA and the CSA without incurring undue hardship. So I think undue hardship is going to be argued both in terms of money and logistics. And money, I don't think FIFA would prevail on an undue hardship claim because the, uh, based on available reporting, it seems like it's going to take, what, 1.5 to maybe $3 million to install grass fields in all the venues? Based on that report that Sarah Gerke published, it could be more. We won't know until, like, there's more investigation. But it seems like that it would be under $5 million, which is pocket change to FIFA. So the other side of that is logistically... Well, didn't they uh, include potential sol solutions? Yeah, yeah, the brief did include potential solutions for all of them. 
Although the solutions, I think, for most of them boil down to either install the grass over the turf or move to a different venue in the same city. I really don't think that is going to fly um, under undue hardship. I really don't. I think the venues that were included in the bid are going to be like, no, 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 you can't move away from us. We were promised this event. And then any other venue may not necessarily be equipped for this. That's all That's all fun and games, but it's very obvious on the men's side. There, There is something else. They get brand new stadiums. And I know that's part of the bidding. That's something FIFA pays for. And we all know from what's happening with Brazil that, or what happened with Brazil is Brazil, you know, was spending quite a lot of money. So it's all very interesting and it's all, I'm sure it plays out. But the things that I don't quite understand is what playing out means and what that timeline is. Um, because I figure that once this actually starts seeing, um, like, court time, mm-hmm. uh, that it's just going to start getting sandbagged. Well, they know when the World like, Cup is, you... and they know roughly when they need to start installing grass. So they have a deadline, basically, for when a court order needs to go into effect. Okay, so, so what you're saying is this is something that could possibly actually happen. Um... I will defer to Lester Munson on that, saying that he thinks that this will succeed on the merits. But, I mean, just in my mind, based on that three-pronged test, on the latter two points, you can argue successfully either way. And especially on the second prong, uh, good faith, I think you could argue... Yes. I think it tips more towards the women, the plaintiffs in this case. You know, based on FIFA's own words and actions... I'm just, and I'm just long for the ride. Okay. Yeah, so that's that's what I think. I hope this gets resolved quickly one way or another so people can just, so you can just have the certainty of knowing. That they will be going 110 final. I mean, to a certain extent. Real grass. Yeah, to a certain extent it also impacts the way you're going to train, right? Yeah, I think it also impacts the team you take with you because the games, like, there's not a lot of recovery time That's in true. between the games. Like, if, if if for some reason this doesn't go through and we actually see a World Cup played on an artificial turf, do we automatically, like, not automatically, but in the, will the trending show, you know, the average age of teams decreases because they're like, well, can't take... 17 vets or 17 people who are over 28 years old to go play on carpet on concrete in uh, Vancouver. I can see your thought process having a lot of merit too, wanting to bring a young squad. <clears throat> or at least a squad that can bounce back. I yeah. mean, I'm not saying Abby Wabonk shouldn't uh, uh, make the World Cup squad, but if Abby makes it, does, does Boxy as well? Yeah. If you have the option of younger players who could perform at that level, then yeah, I can definitely see coaching staff going, well, maybe we should, you know, trade quicker recovery time and longer endurance on that surface for experience. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, and maybe maybe those experienced players don't quite play as much on them, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in in each of the games, and we we see a different style of substitute substitutions. I'm just saying that that it, it, the sooner this gets resolved, the the more planning federations can do mm-hmm. um, to figure out what the fuck they're gonna do. What's really surprising to me is is and maybe this is because each federation is a member of FIFA or something like that. I don't I'm not 100% sure how the the membership or the organization <clears throat> is structured, but it's really interesting to me that some some players are afraid that if they speak out and if they join uh, this this lawsuit that that their spot on that team might be at risk whereas other uh, federations, you know, Who's gonna? Which federation is gonna be the first one that steps up and says, "Yeah, we support our players." I really don't think any, because out of all the people involved in the lawsuit, I would imagine I think maybe American, maybe even German players have the most power, like to confront their federations or to at least not go, not get punished. So, and I can't see a federation thumbing their nose at FIFA and going, "We support our players." Especially over their women's team. Yeah, but at, at what point does this lawsuit allow federations to do that? I don't think at any point. Like, dude. At, I don't at, think at, at any point. Is there a point where where we you know the tide turns and it's like yeah, FIFA has been fucking over women's soccer since the creation of their laws and the fact that they like <laughs> say that women are uh, disabled, basically disabled. It's 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 one of those things. It's like, all right, at what point does this thing turn into a bigger thing and actually see I, change? I don't see any federation big enough, like the FA or, you know, US soccer or whatever, ever going to bat for their women's team. Maybe some small nation that's not known for soccer might have the guts to Columbia stand up and say something. or something like that. No, I'm thinking even smaller, like some nation that maybe isn't even qualified, but is willing to be like, you know, we don't have anything to lose. We're not a powerhouse in soccer. FIFA doesn't give a shit about us, so let's just do the right thing and say what we think about it. But that's not going to do anything because, you know. Yeah, so I, I don't see any federation stepping up on this at all. It just, it doesn't make sense. That's unfortunate. That's unfortunate. Yeah. Like, you could have Tom Hanks and whoever um, tweet as much as they want about it, but I don't think any federation's going to step up. You know who needs to <laughs> Mia fucking Ham needs to step the fuck up and throw her, her weight around a little bit. Um, she needs to get involved in this conversation. Abby, do you call like... up your friend Mia and get her involved. I mean, to bring it back to rosters, do you, do you want to talk about who you L- think Joella should take? We can we can talk about that. Okay. Because based on our latest two results against Mexico, Mexico is clearly struggling. They kind of regressed since the last round of qualifying when they gave us a run for the money. So the other big competition coming out of CONCACAF will probably be Costa Rica. And then I think maybe Haiti will make it rough, but they won't they won't necessarily be actual competition so right i think there's a pretty good argument to be made for taking not necessarily an experimental roster but letting a couple people rest if you know 
some, some... <laughs> who who would your who would your couple pull me? Um, maybe Christy Rampone. Although maybe Christy Rampone would right. punch me in the face and say, "Rest is for losers," or quitters. She'll like bench press the entire team. She'll be like, "Would you rest a thirty-seven-year-old that can bench press seven hundred and ninety pounds?" Yeah, maybe maybe even Abby. Although I can see how you can make an argument for other side being. World Cup qualifiers is the beginning of trying to make a final roster gel. So you want to look at players who you think are going to be on your final actual World Cup roster and try to put them into a, you know, full 90-minute environment. I just wish U.S. soccer... I just wish CONCACAF were competitive, competitive enough that U.S. soccer actually had to worry about winning games. Yeah. Um... You know, that's that's one one of the big the big differences between the men's side and the women's side. Like last year at this time, we had a roster of like 40 million men's team players and they all got different turns playing against different teams and different lineups. And, you know, it was really a a race to see who was going to make the team. And there's no such competition on on the the U.S. women's national team side, mainly because the CONCACAF is not um, at the same level as they are. But the other thing is, you know, we've got a lot of household names that have to have to participate um, in order for for a coach not to get fired. It's pretty awesome, actually. It's pretty awesome to have that sort of job security where you're like, okay, so anything can happen as long as I'm playing these players. Any The result could be anything, but as long as these players get to play, we're good. Yeah. We're, we're good. Yeah. I would just sit back and drink margaritas all day. I would love to see A-Rod go on a tear during qualifiers, assuming she's given the opportunity. I hope she just scores like seven goals per game. That would be great. A Rod, um, I would love to see uh, Holiday um, get to play in that number ten spot. I would love for this whole Mega Rapino experiment. Like, yeah, when she was at Portland, she played number ten. Um, she was playing in a different system. Um, so you know, Mega Rapino is not a good number 10 she can do a decent job of it but those games are often hectic and disorganized and oh my god let's just let lauren cheney do what she's good at um you know who else i wouldn't mind seeing in qualifiers who's that gab uh ali krieger oh yeah but you know not getting injured well yeah let's hope she's it not injured currently um she didn't play in either of those two mexico games because of a lingering hamstring thing um and so that makes me nervous uh i feel like that's something nobody's talking about is the fact that ali krieger didn't play at all um has this lingering injury from nwsl and yeah yeah. So I, I'll I'll sweat I'll sweat about Krieger all by myself over here in the corner. You know who I'd like to see kind of get some time to see how much she gels with the senior team is Morgan Andrews. She's I think she's Morgan kind of the Andrews next... has like fallen off the radar. She's doing well at Notre Dame. I as far as I know, for a while you can disagree with me. It seemed like Morgan Andrews was like the next Morgan Bryan. Yes, I thought no. Morgan Andrews was going to be the next Alex Morton. I wouldn't go that far. 
they were just hyping her up enough i mean morgan andrews is clearly on another level from your average college player she's very composed she can see plays develop and stuff i'd like to see her get called in just even just for evaluation how do you get called into a senior camp when you don't even make the u20s world cup team yeah, I mean, we saw how well the U-20s did without her. I'm not saying she would have changed the result, but she couldn't have made it any worse than it was. I completely agree, but I'm just saying, how do you, how do you, as Jill Ellis, how do you take Michelle French's evaluation of Morgan Andrews and realize that Michelle French didn't even put her on the roster for I mean, Canada 2014? I think you take that evaluation, look at the U-20s performance, and go... Maybe I will call in Morgan Andrews. You you have more faith than I do. I, I don't have much faith at all. I have a lot of hope, not a lot of faith. When will Jill Ellis give Kim Little a chance? Gosh. <laughs> After an NWSL season like that, how can she justify not calling in Kim Little? My god. <laughs> the travesty. It is a travesty. <laughs> Uh, well, you know, now Scotland, is she, is she Scottish? Yes, she's Scottish. Or is she oh one my God. From, from Wales. Kim Little is Scottish. What is going on, Gab? How are you? The words you're saying are hurting me. <laughs> uh, um, so now that Scotland hasn't qualified for the World Cup, maybe Jill Ellis will give her a chance. Um, Scotland might still qualify. Because... So there's going to be um, uh, okay. there's UEFA playoffs. So Scotland plays Netherlands. Italy plays Ukraine. And that's going to determine the last spot from Europe. The last of uh, eight. I think Scotland-Netherlands could be pretty even. Um, I think Italy might beat Ukraine. But Ukraine could give Italy what for. You just never know. Personally, I would like to see Ukraine win that one. And of course, I would like to see Scotland come out overall taking that spot of Kim Little being on the women's national team, U.S. women's national team, go out the window. Here's how to get Kim Little on the U.S. women's <laughs> national team. Make this, a time this, machine. This is almost as good as Anger. This is almost as good as Anger being a German spy. Make a time machine. Go back in time. Before when Kim Little was locked to the full women's national team, I think she debuted for them at like 16 or 17. So you're going to have to go back a little bit. So it was only like three years ago. It was only like three years ago. It was like last month. Kim Little is a baby. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Kim Little is is a little cupcake. Yeah, go back in time, have American scouts look at her, and tell them to convince her to switch her allegiance from Scotland to the United States. Which might have to... Yeah, we don't do that nearly enough anymore. Time travel into the past and convince talented players of today to switch their allegiance to the United States back then? Is that what we don't do enough of? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I assume we have the technology. President Obama, what are you hiding? <laughs> what does what what does Jill Ellis know? <laughs> Some Illuminati um, shit, man. We have a lot of uh, unknowns of the national team roster. Um, the roster is due on October 1st. Yep. And who knows when we will actually learn about that roster. Yeah, that's true. Just because it's due on October 1st doesn't mean we're going to see it on October 1st. I think we would expect to see Alex Morgan 
Sunny LaRue, Abby Wambach, Carly Lloyd, Pino, um, Lauren Chaney, Christy Rampone, Becky Sauerbrunn, Allie Krieger. Uh, in terms of GKs, I think we would expect to see Hope and Ashlyn. Yeah, I think I think that's a pretty fair given what we have experienced recently of Jill Ellis. Um, I think Jill Ellis kind of needs to remember what it was like to be a coach at UCLA with some confused kids and be like, you know what? You do you and you be the individual that you were born to be. And let's see what Jill Ellis can pull out of the hat in terms of, you know, uh, the roster and who she can who she can team together for for next year's uh, uh, World Cup. I mean, we've got a little bit of time left to see if anybody rises to the top. So let's use it. Do you want to talk about uh, the media's reactions oh, right. to the about... domestic violet violence thing uh, that involves a woman a woman who plays soccer? Yeah. Okay. Well. I want to let me get my two cents out there first since my two cents is only two cents and I feel like yours is going to be like $200. Okay. Um, so we have a player who got into a family fight and fighting is not good. Um, and the police were called, which is not good. And um, this happened in the middle of a season months and months ago. And nothing happened, and now suddenly everyone's supposed to care. Not that anybody doesn't care, but it's one of those things that's like the people who pay attention to this um, sport uh, and this demographic uh, or this this type of sport have been paying attention to it and are very well-versed and are trying their hardest to remain human. Um, and... Uh, it's not easy, and it sucks to be told that no one's talking about something that's actually very near and dear to you, and that's all I've got to say about that. Whether it was domestic violence or an actual family brawl, I actually really don't like a lot of the articles trying to frame this as a family brawl, because we don't know all the facts. I would never want to invalidate any victim's voice when they say that they were battered or that it was domestic violence to them as they experienced it. So I'm really hesitant about anything that tries to reframe this as like it was just a family brawl. I am not going to go on record and say it it wasn't domestic violence because it could have been. Absolutely. Either way, there was physical violence, which is no bueno. On that front... I said everything that I actually really wanted to say. There was an article on uh, the soccer desk. They graciously reprinted, actually, something I wrote up on my blog. What my current problem with what's happening is, is the fucking media can't come drive by and suddenly give a shit about what's going on in the women's soccer world. And you know after this, they're just going to drop everything. They're not going to report on qualifying. They might report on the Women's World Cup if we get another Pino to Abby moment. If we win, they're going to come in and be like, that's great, go America, go USA. And then they're not going to cover NWSL. They're not going to cover if a player gets injured or if the players want to make a union or the struggles of these women to earn a living wage. They're not going to cover any of that. They're just hopping in. 
to create these clickbait articles. They're not even, they're not even thoughtful articles. But my beef especially is with the Washington Post, which is supposed to be a nationally respected publication. But fucking Cindy Boren writes some article about Hope Solos, like the domestic violence case nobody's paying any attention to. Fuck you, Cindy. You were the one who weren't paying attention to it. We paid attention to it as it was happening. As it was happening. So you don't get to swoop in and be like, I'm so great for bringing attention to this swept under the rug problem. Like, Hope Solo was actually arrested. She was arrested by the actual police. U.S. Soccer Federation didn't engage in some large-scale conspiracy from the top down to hide, you know, a voicemail that alerted them to the fact that it had happened or that there was video evidence. So she publishes this bullshit article. She doesn't respond to any criticism. She follows it up with some article that is just a list of links with no critical analysis. Her original Hope Solo article is less than 500 words long, includes some embedded tweets, and then gets a bunch, like, goes viral. Because it's easy to digest, I guess, and it doesn't make people think about actual issues involving domestic violence, women's sports, gender imbalance, and sports in this country in general. And then, the Washington Post has the nerve to ask Terrence McCoy, who is not a sports writer in any case, he's a foreign affairs reporter, it's in his bio, right? And he writes an article that's originally called The Spectacular Rise and Humiliating Fall of Hope Solo. And then they change the title. Now I understand actually the thing with titles is editors tend to pick them, not the actual writer of the article. But that just goes back to me being fed up with the fucking Washington Post. Talk about fucking clickbait title. And then they changed it to how Hope Solo went from soccer star to center of assault controversy. Terrence McCoy has the fucking nerve in the original article and their screen caps of it to link to Twitter searches for Hope Solo's nude photos from that really shitty incident where somebody stole a bunch of people's private photos from the cloud. Why is that relevant? Why is that relevant in discussing this? Unless you're trying to talk about, you know, gender imbalance in, in sports, right, and how female athletes are treated as opposed to male athletes, and you wanted to compare this to, like, male athletes having scandalous photos leaked. How is that relevant to your discussion of Hope Solo in terms of a domestic violence assault controversy? Fucking fuck you too, Terrence McCoy. Jesus Christ. So yeah, Washington Post is just the tip of the shit iceberg that has been shitty reporting on this Hope Solo situation. I am not defending Hope Solo. She got into an altercation with her family and got arrested for it. That's a separate issue. I'm talking about the coverage from the mainstream media this issue as if they all suddenly think that they have the right to comment on women's soccer. Now the other side is this, everybody should be, feel free to talk about domestic violence. But that's not what I've seen. I have not seen thoughtful analysis of domestic violence in terms of, framed in terms of this situation where a woman is accused of being the perpetrator. There's been some lip service to like, we have to treat it as you know, with as much gravity as we do when a man batters a woman. But there's been no critical analysis of how the situation is both same and different. I guess in conclusion, fuck you Washington Post and fuck you every reporter who didn't take the time to realize that the rest of us have given many shits about this subject for months and then decided to just swoop in, grab up all the shits and act like they were theirs from the beginning. Fuck all of you. <clears throat> um... I agree. Um, I'm. I'm. I. I. I don't disagree with anything. Anything you just said. Um, 
I actually had not read the Washington Post. I tried not to read a lot of the things that came out about Hope Solo uh, in the past few weeks, simply because I knew that they were watered down uh, versions of what we already knew. Um, the most interesting point of all of this for me is that this was a non-issue four weeks ago. Um, this was a non-issue before Ray Rice's video came out. And Ray Rice's video came out before Hope Solo was arrested. And Ray Rice and Hope Solo, uh, their incidents, in, incidents are not even on the same level. Um, in, my, in my opinion, uh, nothing new has been learned about Hope Solo in the past month. Um, nothing new has been learned about that case in the last month and we won't know anything until November. There's there's been a lot of discussion about it and I think I think discussion is great. I think discussion is wonderful as long as both parties come to the table willing to concede. Um, not necessarily conceding, but willing to. Um, coming to the table understanding somebody else's perspective is there and I'm going to learn something. Um, that's not what that's not what's happening. Uh, people are looking for a scapegoat. People are looking for a scapegoat to realize uh, Ray Rice isn't a bad guy. He shouldn't have he he didn't deserve the punishment he did. How can Nike keep Hope Solo on their payroll uh, as a sponsored athlete and drop Ray Rice? Um, you know, Adrian Peterson. How can he be accused of of what he did, but Hope Solo can still show up for a job? You know, these are not comparable things. Um, we've learned a lot about the NFL and a lot about cover-ups and a lot about um, how they react when under pressure. And I... I hope that the pressure continues, that there is a, a positive change in the NFL. But to try to bring down um, another person who hasn't been convicted of anything. Yes, Adrian Peterson hasn't been convicted, but the guy said he did it. Um, Hope Solo has maintained her innocence. And I'm not defending Hope Solo. I'm just saying let's let the legal system do what it's supposed to do. Um, who knows if Hope is going to play next year? Who knows what's going to happen on November 5th, November 6th, all through December, all through January. We talk about these turf lawsuits. Who knows how? You know, what's going to last longer, a turf lawsuit or Hope Solo's trial? Who the fuck knows? I think, I think a reasonable topic uh, in this arena is what you brought up in your, in your article uh, about why was Hope Solo allowed to wear the armband. No, the armband was a terrible, terrible decision. I mean, maybe they were so naive, they actually only thought of it as like, well, Hope broke a record, so she wears the armband, right? But even that is troublesome. It suggests a complete lack of sophistication among the upper ranks of U.S. soccer or the coaching staff. But, you know. But yay, U.S. soccer. Yay, U.S. Woo! soccer. They what, got a what, record, what, and they what, got some media. What, what, I, what I thoroughly thoroughly enjoy about uh that rochester match was they sold less than six thousand tickets oh yeah i mean it was a midweek game sold... right and it was the weather was shit I com yeah well the weather was shit has 
should have nothing to do with ticket sales. Midweek game, Rochester. I hope they don't play in Rochester for years. It affected walk-up ticket sales a little bit, I think. I would love to see numbers on walk-up ticket sales in general. Yeah. I mean, it's going to vary city by city. In Rochester, I think walk-up ticket sales might be a thing. Because it's not... The stadium is not way the fuck out there. It's within the city. It's... It's not that hard to drive to, and they have a nice big parking lot. Yeah, but do you think U.S. Soccer marketed it well enough where people were like, oh, there's a game tonight? No, no, they absolutely didn't. So that affected all ticket sales across the board. With Abby playing for the Flash and games being in Rochester so often, I can definitely see a saturation point. I can see that a saturation point might have been hit with that game. I don't know. I'm... I... I question the decision-making of U.S. soccer on many levels. Yeah, not just because of that game. Just, in general, U.S. soccer is not really competent at handling the women's side. It is known. Correct. You know nothing, U.S. This soccer. This is bad. So on a lighter note, Gab, you've been kind of watching, I don't know, with amusement, trepidation, interest, at the new social media thing that a lot of Bozo players are doing. I don't even know what it is. I don't know what it is either. This uh, SQOR thing that a lot of players are jumping onto. Um, Megan Rapino let it slip through one of her posts. Dun, dun, dun. She let it slip. This is a way to make money or a way to retire or something like that. Um, it's weird. It's unusual. It's a lot like developed this thing and they just want other people to participate um but it's being marketed as a professional as behind the scenes things it's fairly often getting paid via conversation starters um how much of a impact are they having uh probably impacts the sponsorship paycheck um i don't expect it to last very long it's not twitter it's not an established social networking tool it might get sponsors, and it might open up avenues. Uh, I, I'm i no analyst, but I think it's dumb. Just fucking tweet and, like, put things on your Facebook. Um, whatever. So there are websites... I'm drunk. I'm drunk. Their website under what is score, it says uh, you, you can use it to find the best news in social media on your favorites, like your athletes, and you can post to and from major social platforms with it. Yeah, so it it seems like when they when they post photos to score, everything populates their Twitter and to their Facebook, which is dumb. You don't need to click that link, and you know, the link is probably what gets the athlete paid. You know, if any Woso or any female player has to hustle to make a little extra money on the side, I I'm not gonna argue against it. I'm I'm not saying they shouldn't be. I'm just saying I think it's dumb. Yeah, I don't get it. I think it's going to stop pretty soon. I hope everybody who uses it makes a lot of money, though. All the female yeah, athletes. Yeah, get paid while you can. Yeah, make that make that paper. Maybe I'll start clicking those links. <laughs> maybe, maybe. It's how we can help, other than buying yes. season tickets and merch. Oh, uh, we don't... There isn't a lot of stuff to talk about right now, because we're getting ready for qualifiers. But qualifiers won't start for a couple weeks, so should we solicit topics... Uh, that folks would like us to drink bottles of wine and talk about? Yeah, sure. Although, by the way, watch W League. Go Sydney FC. 
They're the best team. Right, because they're playing soccer in Australia right now. Yeah. Hey, a lot of your American faves are in Australia, too. So, if nothing else, follow them. Follow my German spy. <laughs> I'm gonna follow my German spy while she's playing in Australia. Uh, boo. Down with the roar. Whatever, dude. I don't have an allegiance. I just, uh, I'm in my off season. I just drink wine, eat pizza, surf the internet, and read feminist uh, essays. Because I'm learning how to be a feminist, apparently. I mean, it's never too late to start. So, good luck any player trying to make a dime on the side. However you gotta do it, man. It's a rough world out there for female athletes. You gotta get paid, I'm gonna start clicking the links. Yeah. Fine. Um, how do we want people to tell us what to talk about? Because we are out of ideas. Leave a comment on the podcast. <laughs> As leave always. a comment on the podcast. Ooh, ooh. Well, let's play a fun game. Maybe you could suggest drinks for us to make, and we'll oh. do like a um, cocktail. Yes, a cocktail episode. Yeah, suggest drinks, and best suggestion we will try to do to the best of our ability. We will. We will make to the best of our limited skill set. Bullshit! Your skill set so is limited. Drinks, Mine is amazing. Drinks and topics. Yeah, drinks and topics. Leave a comment directly on the podcast or yell at Gab PDX. God damn it. So the homework assignment, we'll probably talk again in two weeks right before qualifiers happen. Leave a drink, leave a topic, leave questions. We'll put some homework, some required reading material uh, associated with this podcast. Okay. Well, we'll see you for the next podcast.